as I do some moving around of furniture here on the stage, I invite you here or at home uh, to open your Bibles or phones or whatever device and turn to Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And throughout the message, I invite you to keep that open or in front of you. Uh, I'm not as tech savvy yet as Pastor Eric, so it's not on the screen. It's I don't have a tablet. We still got to get all that figured out. But I encourage you to follow along uh, as, as I go through these verses. But before we read from Acts 2.42, I think it's good to set the stage a little for what's happening in these verses. I think sometimes it's easy just to jump into a little portion of Scripture and not know what else is going on around that. So this is just at the beginning of Acts. We've had the life and ministry and the death of Jesus. We've had the resurrection of Jesus. And just at the beginning of Acts, Jesus has gone into heaven. And so now the disciples who are left behind have to figure out life without Jesus, as it were. And they had to replace some of the disciples who had been among them. But Jesus said, you don't have to do life without me. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And so just before what we're reading... The Holy Spirit had come. It had come on the people. Uh, Peter, the apostle, had preached apparently a really good sermon, and 3,000 people were baptized after that sermon. And so now we have a picture of 3,000 newly baptized, Holy Spirit-inspired people. And then Luke, who wrote Acts, says this. Those people, those, the fellowship of believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their position, possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. And so at the beginning of June, when I started here, Pastor Eric asked me, or well, who am I kidding? He told me that over the summer, I was going to be doing a series on going back to the basics. And I think that's actually a super helpful thing to be exploring this summer. I know in my studies and frequently in this place, the church, we use words and phrases that seem so familiar and may come easily. But maybe we don't always pause to think about what those words actually mean or what those words could actually mean. And so my hope is to wonder out loud in front of you and with you about some of the basics. And of course, we don't wonder alone. We take this wonder, we bring it to God, and we ask God to explain things as we wonder. And so as we explore the basics, I hope that this will help us ask questions, to think deeply, and to maybe even think differently if we need to. And to be creative in what we say, what we do, and how we share that with others. And when I think of the basics, I think there's a lot of directions we could go. And that's where Pastor Eric saying, do the basics, wasn't helpful. It's, there's so much that you could do. And there's so many things that I would love to continue to explore. 
And so as we look forward to going over some of the basics, if there are basics that any of you, whether here or watching this later, are there any basics that you would like to go over or discuss more? Let me know, and I would love to let that influence what this summer looks like. But this week, in light of me starting here, in this place as an intern, I thought we could look at the word church. It seemed like a pretty basic word, but it's a word that's used in so many different forms. And as I begin, I want to be clear that this sermon will not touch on all of the nuances of church, of what it could be, of what it is and what it isn't, or even what it will be. That needs more than one sermon and probably more than a short summer series, but I do want to look at church. So what is church for you? What has church meant? Maybe there's positive things. Maybe there's negative things. If you're anything like me, usually I use the word church as a noun. I'm talking about the church or a church. I'm talking about a place or a building where we do certain things. Maybe it's singing or praying or learning. And the realities of this past year have probably forced some of us to rethink what church means. And sometimes church is used as an identity word. We call ourselves the church. And sometimes it sounds like a club or a membership when we talk about people being inside the church or out of the church. And to be honest, and I can say this because Pastor Eric just admitted to everyone, pastors are normal people too. When I was growing up, I didn't always like being in the church. I know maybe that's bad for me to say, but it's true. And I didn't think, I don't think I liked my idea of church because it was a location. And it was a location where I had to sit still, I had to sit silently, I had to listen and learn. And if I'm going full admission here, I would sometimes sit in the pew and mentally cross off the bigger chunks of the service because I just wanted to go out and do things. So I'd be like, okay, the sermon's done. Okay, that was the offering. Okay, that was a longer prayer. And mentally get towards the end of the service. And like I said, my dad was the pastor. And so even when the service was done, I was still in the church for a long time afterwards. And as an active person with a short attention span, sitting in the pew was hard for me. And looking back on it now, I wonder if maybe I was actually onto something. Of course, I had the wrong motives, the wrong desires, the wrong idea for why I was leaving. But as I look back and reflect, I think there is a good connection that can be made. With a change of motives and desires, maybe being ready to leave the church as a noun is not such a bad thing. And we'll get to that. But knowing that there's all kinds of meanings and ideas when it comes to church, today I'd like to think of church as a verb. And a quick grammar lesson, for those of you like me who didn't always listen to those lessons, a verb is an action word. A verb is about doing something. And if I tell someone I'm going to church, what does it mean if I don't mean the church? Can we say we're going to church the same way we can say I'm going to eat, or I'm going to sleep, or I'm going to run? When we think of church instead as churching, what does that mean? And to do this, of course, I want to take a closer look at Scripture. And if you have it open, I'm going to kind of go along what we had read. And to be clear, the Bible has a lot more to say about church or churching than what we read here. 
It talks about the purpose, the identity, about being church and doing church. But we can't dive into all of that. And so today we look at churching, and specifically the action going on in Acts 2. Here we find, like I said before, Luke's description of what Holy Spirit-inspired churching looked like at that time. And there's definitely things we can learn from this. But we have to remember that is not the exact blueprint. That's not exactly what we have to copy. And I like that. It means that we can be creative. We can think of what does it mean to church right now. But whatever it looks like, it's going to happen with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so in this part of Acts, first we read that the Spirit-inspired believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I think it's important to note here what Scripture does not say. It does not say they devoted themselves to listening to the apostles' teaching. And while they needed to listen to the teaching in order to be devoted for, to it, the emphasis is on devotion. And I wouldn't be a good seminary student if I didn't talk about Greek just a little bit here. The word here is proskar teruntes, and it's a common verb which means a continual action, ongoing, remaining steadfast to something. And perhaps another way to say it here is that the believers continued to adhere to or remain diligent in adhering to the apostles' teaching. It's easy to just listen to something. It's even easier to just hear something. But it takes a lot more active engagement to be devoted to something. For example, it's spring, and we're in Grimsby. So if you don't work in a greenhouse, you may love to garden or may love to do some of those things. And if you told me after the service that you were devoted to gardening, I don't think I would picture you reading a book about it or watching shows about it, or just learning about it, the first image that would come to mind would be you, in your garden, gardening. And so you do have to learn. You do have to listen. People do teach you what it means. But your devotion to gardening means that you're actually going to do it. And I'm sure you love being in a garden much more than reading about it. I'm sure the plants, if they had feelings, are a lot happier that you're gardening instead of just reading about how to do it. And so if churching is devotion to something also, it's an active engagement with something. And specifically here, it's active engagement with the apostles' teaching. And if that's the number one thing they were devoted to, it's probably worth looking at as well. And the apostles, when we talk about their teaching, it was both about Jesus and teaching the things that Jesus said. In fact, that message that I said earlier that Peter preached and 3,000 people were baptized, it was a pretty simple message. And it pointed to the life, the death, the resurrection, and the future coming of Jesus. It was a message of repentance and baptism for the sole purpose of being changed people. And the apostles' teaching, or Jesus' teaching, included forgiveness. It included hospitality, like Pastor Eric has been preaching about. It included reaching across boundaries. It included the kingdom of God, the entire gospel message. When I say gospel message, I think maybe that's one of the basics that is worth looking at later on this summer as well. And I could probably stop here. A simple definition of church as a verb is spirit-enabled, active devotion to the gospel message. 
But Luke, in this, what I read in Acts, didn't stop there. And I think there's a couple other little things that are worth looking at as we go. Included in that first sentence, if you still have your scripture in front of you, is fellowship, is breaking of bread and prayer. And all three of these things, in fact, were very important parts of Jesus' teaching. The first one, fellowship, is one that has always been cared about deeply by Jesus and deeply about us when we call ourselves the church. In fact, a lot of church buildings, the noun version of church, have rooms dedicated to fellowship. I know in my church that was a hall dedicated to fellowship. It's important to us. We want that. And everywhere I read and looked as I thought about church over the last couple weeks reminded me again and again that churching is never done alone. It's a verb of fellowship. It only can happen when people are doing it together. Some of the things that happen here in a church building, like worship or prayer or even singing, those actions you can do by yourself. But when we talk about churching, which includes those things, that's only done when we're together. As we look back on Jesus' teaching, Jesus himself said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. Jesus also sent his apostles off, or disciples off, in pairs of two. Jesus was always spending time with other people, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, his friends. Later in the same section, the passage goes on to say that all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold things and gave things away. And again, we find fellowship. And it doesn't necessarily mean that no one owned anything anymore, but we certainly get the sense that people were not living for themselves or just for individual gain. Holding things in common means when you don't have something, you can ask someone for it. Or when you do have something, you can give that out to other people. And Luke makes it clear that this just just wasn't between the believers. He points out that it was for anyone in need. He stresses the words everyone and all the people, not just the believers. This fellowship was open and it was engaging with everyone who was around them. And while fellowship for its own sake is important, we see here a reminder that there was more than just people getting together. People get together for lots of reasons. But the breaking of bread and prayer, the other parts of this description, were also part of Jesus' teaching. There's debate here whether this breaking of bread specifically meant the Lord's Supper. But I don't think it matters what it specifically meant. If people are together, remembering Jesus, breaking bread together, that's communion. That's fellowship. And prayer was an indication that Jesus was invited into that time also. They had the Holy Spirit, but they weren't doing it just on their own. There was ongoing communication with God. And later on in these verses, it indicates that praising God was part of these times too. It wasn't just time together. It was time together with an intentional direction. It was time together with a focus. And whether they sang songs like we did or whether their actions were just praising God, God was included. Prayer and praise flow naturally out of this. And as we move on in Acts 2, as I mentioned at the beginning, we often think of church as a, ver- as a noun, as this place. And so it's worth taking a look where churching was happening in Acts at this time. 
it wasn't in a little white building with a steeple, which for some reason is what I always picture as church, even though I've never been in a church like that. When I, when I read this, when church is a verb, it's not limited to a specific location. And that's what we see in this passage too. The spirit-inspired fellowship of believers that were involved in the action of churching are described as doing it in different locations. And what's really interesting to note, when especially when we think of church as a noun, none of these locations was in a place that was exclusive to them. The first place that we read of them being together was in the temple courts. And if we read this quickly, we can say, oh, it's the temple. That's just like us worshiping in this church. And I had to read it a couple times before I realized that that visual in my head was all wrong. I pictured them getting together in a place like Mountain View. But that's not what's happening here. They had just been baptized. They had just become a fellowship. They didn't have somewhere to call their own. They met in a public area. They met in the temple courts. And this was an exposed place. They would have stood out there. And while they were Jews and would have been very accustomed to meeting in that place regularly, their new ideas of sacrifice, their new ideas of prayer, their new ideas of action were very different than what they had been before. But they didn't just retreat to their own place to talk about it. They talked about it out in the open where other people were walking by and could see and could hear what was going on. They would have engaged with people who had questions about it. They chose to meet in a place that was also familiar to the people around them. Churching was a public affair. Luke also notes that they gathered in their homes. And that may sound private, but what we read here sounds more like a joyful party going on. They ate together. They spent time together praise flowed out of this. They gave stuff away to people who needed it. And it sounds like it was a good enough time, an open enough time, that they found favor with all the people. And it reminded me a little of a few years ago, I hiked the coast of Newfoundland. And I had my tent and all my clothes and everything on my back. And I was walking along the coast. And one particular day, I had walked longer than I thought, and I had not found a suitable camping spot. And I got out of the woods, and there was a little town, and I was like, oh man, now where am I going to camp? But I saw an empty lot, and so I knocked on the door of the next door neighbors, and I said, hey, do you think I could just set up my tent in this lot? And they said, well, that's not ours, but how about you come over here? How about you spend time in our backyard? You can set up your tent, but... They probably noticed I hadn't showered in a bit. I had clean, dirty clothes and all of that. They invited me in. They didn't know me. I was a random, unshaven wanderer who they invited in. Who They fed me. They shared their stories with me. We talked about people we knew in Hamilton and Ontario. And I spent a lot of time there. And the next morning, they woke me up, gave me breakfast, and sent me on my way again. I was invited to join. I felt their hospitality. I knew what it was like to have things in common. My needs were taken care of. I felt heard and seen and valued. And they definitely found my favor. The only part missing, of course, in this was the prayer and praise that pointed this whole interaction to God. It wasn't quite churching, but I think some of the basic components could be learned from that couple I met. It doesn't have to be hard to do this kind of thing. We just have to be intentional. 
and in that intentionality point to Jesus. We don't have to be elaborate, just devotion to the basics of Jesus' teaching everywhere we go. And I know, as I draw to an end with this, I know as we think about churching, maybe because we're goal-oriented, especially when we think of the church as a noun and, and filling this place, I think it's important to look at what happens when church here is a verb. We first read that everyone was filled with awe and wonders and miracles were happening. Active public devotion to Jesus' teaching through the Holy Spirit, or churching, means that things are happening and people are noticing. Lives will be changed. And maybe the coolest part of all of this, the only part where the action here is not being done by the apostles and the believers, was the fact that with all this churching going on, people were being saved. And if you read closely, it wasn't the believers who were doing that. That was God. And I think that's the key to this whole thing. The believers were simply focused on churching. Jesus had told his followers, which includes all of us, to go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples can only be made if there's someone or something to follow. And so the responsibility was to church everywhere they went, to point towards Jesus so others could follow. They didn't have to strategize about numbers or new methods to reach out. They simply had to church. They had to show who Jesus was by what they did. And the rest just happened, not on its own, but through God. And so I wonder what all this looks like now. I wonder what freedom we can find in exploring this description and seeing the results. I don't want to say at all that coming together in this place is not important. It's definitely part of it. Churching is shaped here, learning and listening. But this can't be where it ends. Churching is about our active engagement with Jesus' teaching being done in public areas, at work, at school, in your homes, and always with other people. This place is important for learning how to do some of that, but church as an active verb is going to happen out there. Churching is taking care of those in need, eating with people, laughing, being joyful, inviting others to join you. It doesn't sound very hard. And churching is doing all of that with the Holy Spirit, praying to and praising God. And so when we think of the basics, and when we think of church, I suggest we continue to think of it as a verb. When someone asks you, hey, what are you doing on Sunday morning? You may answer that you're going to church, and you might even mean the noun. But don't stop there. We can't just stay here. When someone asks Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday what you're doing, can you also say you're going to church? I know many of you have plans to go camping, to get away this summer, and there will be less people in this building during those months. But churching doesn't stop. It can't stop. Church as a verb needs to happen daily. It doesn't need this building. It doesn't need Zoom or live stream. It simply needs the spirit, fellowship, and a willingness to continually and publicly follow the teaching of Jesus. And so I'm glad for this place. Glad to be together to learn, to grow, to feel comfortable, to fellowship. But like me as a child, but for better motives, I hope you're eager to leave this place for far better reasons than I was. 
I hope you hear things here and can't wait to share that with other people. I hope you can't wait to get out and invite people into your homes for practical fellowship that points to Jesus. And I hope this spirit inspires you to keep churching. And so go. Go with the Holy Spirit. Go do fellowship. Go break bread. Go pray. Go be in public. Do signs and wonders. Take care of the needy. Go praise God. Go find favor with all of your neighbors and those you come in contact with. Go church. And maybe new people will show up in this building, and maybe not. But churching is about an everyday activity. Church is a verb. Join me in prayer as we pray for guidance in this too. Lord Jesus, before anything else, we ask for your Holy Spirit. We know that this early church, these early churchers, only could do what they did with the presence of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask you to fill us as well. We ask you that we can stop asking some of the questions of how to do this and what to do and what's best. And we pray that you give us creative ways to church among our neighbors. Thank you that you have not made it difficult. Thank you that you have sent Jesus to explain what it is we have to do. And please give us the willingness and the boldness to be church, to do church, and simply to church everywhere we go this week. Thank you that we do not do this on, your, on our own. Thank you for your help. And in your name we pray. Amen.